Hello and welcome to episode 220 of Effect. We should have brought some fire. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dave. And I think I was the person who said we should have brought some fire. Um, I'm quoting you. (laughs) So, yes, in the show today, what have we got for you? So, um, we have a new patron to thank, which is fabulous. Uh, And then in the world of gaming, we've got a few bits and bobs to talk about. Um, some gaming stuff and uh, Dragon Meat coming up in ooh, less than a week for us now we're at the time of recording. Uh, and then the main part of the show is your article about um, a Forbidden Lands approach to mass combat, which we tested out last weekend at our gaming retreat. And we didn't test it out very thoroughly for reasons which will become apparent, but... It was uh, it was very good, and I think it's uh, it, it, it's it's something that uh, definitely has legs and has potential. So listen in. It's later got on loads of legs. Some of those creatures have got got hundreds of legs. Oh, sorry, no, that's not what you meant. And there were hundreds of them, and we were rather outnumbered, and we did just go, "Hey, come on then!" <laughs> like idiots. Anyway, that will time to a- leave. Yes, <laughs> that will all become apparent later on. So yeah. That's what we have in the show today. Uh, Yeah, and uh, the first thing you mentioned there was we've got a new patron that we should say thank you to. So, thank you to Andrew Rackley. Thank you very much indeed. Now, Andrew's an interesting new patron because um, he uh, joined the Discord, nicest place on the internet, (laughs) and, uh, uh, and there he met a work colleague. Yeah, I know. It's weird, isn't it? That was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I can't remember uh, what it, where, what it's, was. It's Jerry. Was it the fantasy thing at the. Um, Jerry and the British, British Library. Library. Uh, are, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so Jerry had mentioned uh, the upcoming uh, fantasy exhibition at the British Library. We ought to put a link to that in our show notes yes. because fantasy and role playing games does does have the sort of crossover in the, in, in the event diagram. So some of our listeners who are in the UK may not have heard about that and may be interested in checking out the, uh, the British Library Fantasy Show. So um, we will put a link, Jerry, in, in the show notes. And uh, so Jerry mentioned this and then uh, our, new, uh, our new patron, Andrew, said, oh, were you something to do with the British Library? <laughs> At which point they realised they, they actually even know each other. Um, but I don't, think, I, don't, I don't think Andrew had joined on Jerry's recommendation because they were kind of surprised to see each other yeah. both here in the Discord. So um, I like I like that, that yeah, our, our podcast yeah. uh, connects people from all around the British Library, bringing, um, <laughs> yeah. bringing people together, bringing the uh, we're doing the British Library's job for them by connecting their staff in ways that they never even thought about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We cool. ought, we, ought to, we ought to be a, a perk. Um, <laughs> so any so anybody else out uh, there who works at the British Library who is listening, become a patron immediately. And we can get a nice, yes. huge British Library uh, community within the the well within the nicest place on the internet. Within the yeah, within the nicest place. Uh, I we we could even become a union of British Library workers if we wanted. <laughs> Librarians, sure come come this way, come this way, join us. No, no, that's yeah, cool. but we do have other librarian listeners. I know this because I know some of our Twitter followers are actual librarians as well. So um, some of my so, yeah, some of my yeah. friends, some of my friends from uh, from my old job, 
who certainly used to listen to the podcast. I don't know if they still do. Rich, are you out there? Um, they're, they trained as librarians and, uh, you know, records managers. So, uh, yeah. Mm, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that people who like to pour through massive books of rules uh, maybe have a tendency towards being a librarian? That might be true. You know? Or the other way around, perhaps. Uh, or, or people, the other way around. People yeah. who tend to be librarians like to pour through massive sets of rules. Now, we have a relatively news light world of gaming section, I think, but that won't stop us talking about it for probably a large portion of the program. <laughs> it never does. Uh, Hasn't done so far. The day will come my, when we run out of things to my, say. And on that day, <laughs> they will put tags on our toes and they'll roll us off because we're dead, I expect. <laughs> Uh, my favourite uh, bit of gaming news was the Kickstarter I found. We will put a link in the show notes for Forborg, which is being sold as uh, Morkborg but without the complicated bits. And given that there are no complicated bits to Morkborg, um, that's that's quite a cry. Uh, it's a it's a D4 based version of Mortborg. So one of the things they complain about the rules of Mortborg is you've got all the different shaped dice. You just need one shape of dice mm. and that shape of dice should be a D4, which I think is an excellent choice because that's the most annoying dice. And I have a feeling this is meant to be an annoying game. You can just imagine all the time spent trying to pick up a pool of D4s to throw. It's well, pool based. That's the other thing we should say. It converts... Um, converts Mortborg into a dice pool. A dice pool. Well. well, it's interesting because we had a similar conversation oh, several years ago now about Nibi mm, Nibiru, Nibiru, if you remember, which is a, yeah. a, a D4 dice pool game. Um, and, I mean, I've never played it, but uh, there's something about D4s. I don't know. Just, I don't know. I haven't played yeah. Fourborg. Yeah. Um it was interesting about your 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 comments about the um librarian librarians liking to pour through complicated rule books and i thought you were setting up a segue but you weren't obviously so never mind um <laughs> not at all no <laughs> it would have been a good segue to segue into a game that is even simpler than Morkborg because Morkborg is yeah, very, but very simple i think it's only about 12 pages so the segue is not good there you see when you're a master of segues like I am, you know, you'd recognise that that wouldn't have been a great segue at all. I think that would have been a very good segue, actually. So, right, listeners, tell us, would, would, it, was it, would it have been a great segue or a shit segue? <laughs> yeah, let us know. Um, but anyway, I think yeah, the, point I, I was, the point I was going to make is how, how, how more simplified the games have to get before people go, what the fuck? This is just, this is just, this is like one dice and a pencil. Um, what the hell are we doing here? Because so I, I'm I'm not against I'm not opposed to simple games, in principle, but I think you do need to have something. You know, there needs to be enough guts in there to draw you in and make you, you know, kind of engage you with the with the mechanics of the game. And if the mechanics get so simple, then I think the ga games can lose something if they get too simple. Um, that may be true. Um, however, this is uh, an amazingly successful game in that it is well over 10,000 times its original um, uh, uh, target. <laughs> I've just seen what the original goal was. It wasn't, it's, it's not even a fiver. 
It's four pounds. So <laughs> four I mean, ten a, well, ten it's a, four borg. Yeah. What other yeah. price point are you going to put it at? No, that's that's cool. And they have smashed that goal. They have, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the biggest percentage pledge against um, goal is. <laughs> But this could, this might be. But it. this it might be in the in in the running for the biggest percentage pledge. It's and that is yeah, over right. ten thousand. It is enormous. Uh, I could. Yes, I could, it, I could it's raised a massive four hundred and ninety-eight pounds so far of a four-pound goal. So, um, mathematicians out there, work out what the percentage increase that is. It's going to be. Oh, I don't know how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, about ten thousand percent or something. Off the top yeah, of my head. 10, 000, like like it says on the page where it says ten thousand times funded. 10, oh yeah, it does, doesn't it? Ten thousand percent. Oh yeah, it says ten thousand percent funded. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, fully funded in four. But it's seconds, good to right? have your maths back that up because I wasn't going to be bothered. I, I was just going to accept that as gospel truth. Uh, but luckily, your quick mind has done it. I also like that it was funded in only four seconds. Yes, to yes say I saw that. Somebody backed it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's got a massive uh, forty-one backers, uh, but uh, I think I think for the sheer chutzpah of this campaign, it deserves your consideration. So we will, of course, put a link in the show notes. Um, I, I, um, I, I do like their first pledge level, which is support a silly idea. I love this idea. One pound, a big skeleton <laughs> thumbs up to this idea. Support the campaign and get regular updates along with everybody else. <laughs> but, uh, and then, oh yeah, well, naturally enough, the, the PDF version is four pounds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, Forborg is a tongue-in-cheek reworking of the beautiful Morkborg role-playing system. We've added in loads of cool stuff: absolute fistful of the spiky triangles, exploding dice, a blow-up-the-world-or-die-trying mechanic with the fate stat, uh-huh. and mixed outcome results. Um, so. Yeah, your stats are fight, finesse, friend, and fate. Um, I like I like the thing they say you know, on the mixed outcome results: not just pass or fail, but also the pleasing mediocrity of not quite being good enough. <laughs> I quite like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, it's a bit less tied to its setting than Morkborg, with a carefree inclusion of modern sci-fi, fantasy, and otherly worlds for you to use or ignore as you wish. Weapons and gear all split into themes. Or ignore that and equip your steampunk swashbuckler with a frying pan, a 0.25 derringer and a bionic brain burner all at once. Um, (laughs) So I think it is a um, it's a brilliant joke gone far too far, but uh, (laughs) but I'm all for it. Well, I say when I Uh, when I saw it on our on our on our on our running order, I thought, oh, okay, another board game, even simpler than Morkborg. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be bothering to even consider backing that, but for twelve quid, I might now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for that, it, it might be worth it in in PDF and um. And actually, copies, I think yeah. actually, what with exploding dice and dice pools, whisper this: it might actually be more complicated than Morkbook. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, there's there's quite a lot. Whereas of... in Mortborg, all you have to do is roll a d12, um, or d- roll twelve on a d d20. Um, this might actually be slightly more complex. You have to roll as many um, d4s as your stat plus one exploding d4 and add them all together. So it's, that's certainly uh, not simpler than Mortborg, <laughs> is it? No, no, it's not simpler than four. Um, 
and also I love uh, the you know Mortball's very much you know was uh, uh, in that death metal music tradition. So the idea is you're listening to death metal as you play, whereas um, uh, the music that is recommended for Forborg is a kind of Muppet esque pastiche <laughs> called I Can Only Maybe Count, count to, to Four. four. <laughs> yeah. So this game so, is uh, so yeah, this okay. game is this game is actually at, aimed at children who are about four years old. <laughs> no, I think it's aimed at uh, people with a sense of humour of a four-year-old, which, which there are plenty of older people who also have the sense of humour of a four-year-old. Not least you and I. Um, so I, I haven't. Anyway, I haven't. Ba- I haven't bought anything on the bloody Black Friday barrage tsunami of emails that I've had. So I might instead back <laughs> might this. just reward yourself because it's silly with a four pound purchase. Well, actually, I'm I'm thinking of the PDF print and some dice. Ooh-hoo-hoo! Going up to sixteen. I'm not going to go beyond no, those retailers beyond that. that. So that's the top pledge, sixteen quid. So I sixteen oh, pounds. Do I, do I so what does sixteen pounds get you? Let me have a look. No, oh, that's the retailers pledge. So you get uh, you get yeah. PDF, so you, you get the printed zine, and you get five D four. Colour to be decided. Mm. But the ones they've got in the picture are very nice yellow. So I hope they go for that. Yeah, yeah. Translucent yellow, I imagine. But uh well, you know, and, and there could be there could be some engagement of the backers, the massive audience of backers in um in choosing the colour of that dice. So yeah, yeah. Go for Indeed. it. Go for it. I recommend you go for it, Dave. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I am, as we speak, going for you're it. You're in the process of going for it. Well, tell you what, uh, since we've talked much longer than I expected to about Forborg, uh, let's move on to talk about, uh, while you're doing that, I will talk about the new Free League website, oh, which yeah. I think is very interesting. Go and check it out at, um, well, I guess at freeleague.com or freeleague.se. Yeah, it's freeleague.com, I think, yeah. Um, and it's... Um, I think it's great uh, because it's doing something a little bit different to what I've seen other mainstream uh, publishers do. Okay, Forborg has been right pledged. I've, to... I've pledged to Forborg. Just done. You've pledged. Excellent. I've pledged. One more sale. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry, carry we, on. We'll have to write to them and say that having featured them on their show, we, we've... We, we've have you the, tipped them over the edge to 50 backers now, or are we not that far? No, 42. I'm 42, I think. I'm back well, that's a brilliant answer. That, yeah, it's it gone is. up. And it is. And it's an extra 514 quid. And it's gone gone over <laughs> 500 quid. So, well, so now we're at, what, is, is that, is that um, I'm trying to work out, I'm not going to work out a percentage on that, but that's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, the new the mm. new Free League website. That's what we were talking about before you so rudely interrupted. The um, Free League website does something I think that most ma- major publishers don't do, which is it works quite hard at bringing new players into role playing. Mm. Um, which you know you'll see that on. Uh, on pages dedicated to games for beginners but it's sort of saying look you, you can do this in all sorts of ways for a start it's it says what platform do you want to play on do you want to play at the table with friends do you want to play online or do you want to play mm. solo which 
which mm. I think you know is kind of uh, cementing those those second two modes well into into the culture of playing now. Yeah, uh, and I think that's something that um, that the pandemic did, and it's it's not going to go away. Uh, and they've recognised that, and they're you know actively promoting those other two modes of playing. Plus, there's loads of introductory videos from the um, uh, Eleanor um, Eleanor Thingamy Bob, whose name I've forgotten, uh, who wrote the Lost Mountain Saga, and of course hosted the Lost Mountain Saga, hosted and GM'd the Lost Mountain Saga podcast. Um, yeah, maybe Ele- we on, on, on Di Lorenzo. And Di Lorenzo, that's it. Thank you. Um, and maybe we should get her on at some point for an interview or something. But yeah, yeah she's done lots of videos kind of saying, you know, this is what role playing is all about. Uh, and I haven't really seen other companies, you know, other established companies investing in that way in that new audience on their website. So um, mm. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how well it does for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good looking website. Um, I haven't used it for anything, so I don't know how easy it is to actually do something on it. But it's certainly it's presented very nicely. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'd be interested to talk to them about it. Um, but we shall have to um think about our upcoming interview schedule and see if we've got time <laughs> for that. I think we've yeah. got quite a lot of interviews we've promised up and we need to actually get some of them recorded and in the bag so yeah that's a yeah we, we will of course put a link to the new website in the show notes <laughs> if you need it so that's that good is. news yep yep but the bad news is the adventure time rpg which we spoke about ages ago in um in this world of gaming slot uh, episodes and episodes ago uh, they've decided to make it a 5e game rather than use their yes and rule set. Um, uh. Now, of course, you know nothing about Adventure Time, the TV series, because your kids are the wrong age. That is to yeah. say they've grown up um, without the uh, wonders of Adventure Time. Um, uh, my son has... Um, I think when we spoke last time, he'd just then finished a massive binge watch of all of Adventure Time. And there's a lot of D&D in Adventure Time. It's written very much by, you know, uh, writers who have played D&D for a lot of their lives. So there's a lot of D&D tropes in there. So I guess it's not surprising that it's fifth ed, but it's a bit disappointing. I quite like their yes and system, which if you remember, was going to have a bunch of dice. Some dice would say yes and no in varying degrees and some would, would... would have other things and but maybe I don't yeah know. and then we're going to throw those in i thought that was going to be an interesting system now they have said that, that system's not going away that that will be supplemental but the the main rules as it were will be fifth ed mm. um and you know that's kind of i'm if it had been the yes and system although i'm not massively interested in adventure time i might have might have invested at least in a pdf of that in the when the kickstarter happened but i am disinclined to support a fifth ed book that's just yeah me. yeah i mean as you say i mean I, I you know i know nothing about adventure time the kind of the program um just looking at the pictures i mean it looks quite young childish i guess it's uh in its target i audience. think it's more sophisticated than it looks in its aesthetics possibly yeah possibly um 
And I quite like the idea of the yes and system, you know, when we talked about it before. Mm. Uh, I've never tried it. I've never played it. But um, just felt like a quirky little sort of different approach, which given the kind of the, the aesthetics of, of the artwork and stuff, I feel might well have fitted very well to the actual game itself. Whereas 5e, I mean, you know, I don't know. 5e, you know, your big heroes with big axes and swords and stuff. And these pictures, you've got weird little characters running around that don't look heroic in the slightest. But that's not a problem. Actually, that might be a good thing. But it might be a problem if you're using 5th ed. <laughs> 5e is your rule system for it. I don't know. Maybe... Uh, maybe maybe that's what what they think it needs to 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 make it a success. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure it will do, and I'm sure they say it's come from um, feedback from the the potential audience. And okay. as I say, given that the potential audience um, are probably massive fifth ed players, D and D players, and let's face it, you know. That will appeal to a whole new audience of people. Um, so I can't, I can't blame them for that decision. But um, yeah, I'm a but bit sad. You're, That's but, you're, but you're going to blame them for that decision. And I'm not going to blame them. I'm going to punish them for it. But <laughs> <laughs> by not buying the game. By not buying their game, exactly. I mean, but, so uh, it's coming out on Kickstarter at some point, as yet yes. undisclosed... Uh, I don't think we have future? a date yet for when no. it's coming. No, it, this was mentioned in the comments of another Kickstarter, the same company running for a card game. Right, um, right. So, right, okay. So, <clears throat> I'm sure they'll at least get that most of the way towards um, fulfilment before the uh, RPG comes out. Yeah. Anyway, watch this space for further news, listeners. Hmm. So, because uh, that's one, what this space is all about. It is. So one thing I was just going to briefly mention, and we mentioned it a bit last time, um, I've now got my Building Better Worlds Alien RPG hard copy book in my hands, which is lovely, which kind of finally closes the circle on what has been a pretty long journey um, for me. But yeah. it's great. It's fabulous to get it and actually have the the real book in my hands, which is lovely. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to, to sort of like mark the moment, really, that, you know, this... This all started probably three years ago when I when I did those the first version of the colony rules, and then sent them off to yeah. to, to Free League and who said, "Oh yeah, we like those. That's you know impressive, good stuff." And then didn't say another it may thing have started, for eighteen I months. I seem to remember that actually it may have started in a post pub conversation at um, at uh, UK Games Expo uh, the, after we'd been demoing it that day i'm pretty sure you said it could have been yeah uh, i'd like to write the colony rules for that or something like that in the middle of our conversation about tales from the old west um so yeah that, that does really well actually so that puts it back even further mm. that puts it back to, to june 2019 yeah, yeah. so it's there been a long go. old it's been a long old journey it's been a lot of fun it's been challenging as well at times um but uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm really pleased with the with the final product, and hope everyone enjoys it when they get their hands on it. And and people are enjoying it. I saw a post on Facebook only today where somebody says, "Oh, now that the book's come out, I'm inventing colonies." I saw um, that. Yeah, so, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm pleased with that. 
Yeah, I delighted. mean, sadly, it didn't tell us any more about the colonies he's inventing, but um, but that's no, what I'm... he's spending his Sunday doing then. That's mm-hmm. good for me. That's good for me. Uh, um, so, yeah, the other, the other thing I was just going to briefly mention, um, I got my notification for the Walking Dead universe uh, yesterday. So I should get that in my hand, hopefully tomorrow, maybe, if not Tuesday. Yep. So it's great to see that that is now... Um, that is now coming out and landing on people's doorsteps. I say, you know, we've talked about it before. There are things I, I don't, I, you know, I think could have been done better in the game. Um, it hasn't spoiled my enjoyment of playing it. And I think when I get the, the actual hard copy book, I will reread the rules again just to make sure I'm not missing out on some vital point. Which so means will I. It means I'm so playing it incorrectly. I. So, I mean, I'll comment last time when we were talking about it and you, and you said, oh, are you sure you're not doing it wrong? And I said, "Yes, of course. I'm, I'm certain I'm not doing it wrong." And then afterwards, I thought, mm, "It's Am not. Impo- <laughs> it's not impossible that I might be doing something wrong." So I'm not going to no, reread no. the PDF again, but I will have a proper read of the rule book when I get it in hard copy. And uh, if I if I am getting it wrong, I will come back on the show with a big mea culpa. But if I'm getting well, it right, I'm getting I the hard. S- Sorry, go on, go on. I'm getting the hard copy too, um, which is a miracle since I didn't actually order it. Uh, I guess that's one of the perks of doing a podcast about free league games. Well, or maybe um, you so, maybe you ordered it in your sleep without realizing it, or you pressed the wrong or button. Or maybe I ordered it in you, my sleep without because you did back the PDF, didn't you? So maybe yeah, you inadvertently I I, backed the PDF and the book. Yeah, we we'll wait and see. I'll, I'll, I'll I will check on my uh, Kickstarter um, that see what I did actually back. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, anyway, when I get that, I've, I've had zero interest in in reading the PDF. But um, I, if I get the hard book in, the first thing I'm going to go to is the threat rules. So that you are playing it. So, but the other, the, other, the other good news is for those people who didn't back it, uh, but who are really keen to get hold of it, we will be selling it at Dragon Meat uh, mm-hmm. in oh in five six days time. Uh, how's and that this for, is a lovely segue onto how's Dragon that Meat. For a segue? Well done. <laughs> exactly, I thought so. <laughs> So, Dragon Meat, we will be going. We will be there. Yeah. And we'll be we'll be right opposite, I think, the Modifia stand as well. So I think we're in a prime position this time. S- similar to last um, year, I think. We're in the upper hall, upper trade hall, and we yeah. are going to be just off the side from Modifius as we were last year. So it's a good spot. But, uh, but last year, we weren't facing Modifius. We were at the other end of that. Uh, column of tables we were parallel to them weren't we yeah yeah i think this year we will be directly facing them so we'll be on Ah. the main drag as it were cool um so uh so that's exciting um and what we'll be doing well mostly we'll be selling games i don't think we're going to have any time to um you know to appear in any um podcast events or, or, or seminars or anything no it's a pity I, I, the one, one thing i do slightly regret is that we we now we're doing dragon meat as as free league representing free league um we're running their store yeah we don't get the chance to do any podcast podcast zone stuff anymore because that was always a load of fun and uh, mm. it's always nice to pop down there and and see all the you know the, the, the boys and girls that we used to you know do stuff with and say hello it's a fabulous bunch of people um but uh, yes, I mean, if you're going to, to Dragon Dragon Meet, make sure you pop along and see the Podcast Zone people because they are a fabulous bunch of people. And Mira, who I assume is is doing the organisation again this year, I don't know for sure, but I assume so. 
she's wonderful and does a great job of uh, getting everything together. So maybe, maybe next year we should have a think about whether we could try and do something. Because I, I, yeah, you know, I, I love the old days where we did the Grindbone tournament. You know, the two versions of that. So it would be great yeah. fun to do something similar again in future. But when we did the Grindbone tournament, of course, then they were selling Feely games on the Modifia stand. Not that they don't sell Feely games on the Modifia stand, but Feely yeah. were actually there. Yeah, we didn't. The Modifia stand, weren't they? Yes, that's true. They um, were. Yeah, we didn't have a stand and, uh, to actually um, to manage. Yeah. Yeah. That that shows how far the company of Feely have come in those years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and it, you know, and it's and it's it's interesting, like you said at the beginning. You know, we won't have time to do much else because we'll be selling on the stand, and we will be. It's a really busy day for us at Dragon Meat, which is brilliant. Absolutely love that. But um, yeah, it's kind of you know, no, <laughs> the only breaks you get are those to run to the toilet, which you know <laughs> means I get more breaks which... than you because my bladder control isn't as good as yours. But uh, <laughs> it's not really a break, no, no, is no. it? <clears throat> no, it's not really a break. No. Uh, but I am reminded, actually, thinking of how far Free League have come in those intervening years, because that wasn't that long ago. Let's be honest. It was, um, you know, this is all in the last four or five years, really. Yeah. That this has grown. Um, but I'm reminded that uh, Magnus Sita has a book out or has a book coming out, which is all about Swedish games. Mm. And, and the, and the uh, history Magnus of. Magnus Sita yeah. is a friend of the show. And, and also how come as he says, they've come to dominate the world. Now, I worry, Magnus, because I know you're a listener of the show, maybe you should listen to some other podcasts because maybe in the great scheme of things, uh, Swedish games don't dominate as much as they do on this podcast. But um, <laughs> he's invited us to have a bit of a chat with him, uh, which I don't know whether we'll stream or not because I, I think he's kind of wanting to get our, our viewpoint before he finishes the book. So we, we're going to have a bit of a chat with him and maybe we'll stream it or record it and make it on the show as well but um but yes well in in the interim we will put a link into his um social media so you can see what it's about got yeah. a lovely cover from mm -hmm. uh, johan eckerkrans and um with a duck on it obviously because swedish role-playing games um all, all about the and, ducks uh it's all up there but otherwise sorry that's a little bit of a uh, a, a non-segue, an interruption. The opposite a of a segue from a talking tangent. about Dragon Meat. That's what it is. It's a tangent. Yes, a tangent. And I will say, uh, <clears throat> on, in public, for no reason other than um, than the fact that I've just remembered to talk about it, Dave, we were thinking on the Friday beforehand of going to Dishoom for dinner, but um, it's bloody miles away, the new Dishoom. I thought so, it might uh, have been. Yeah. We can do that. Yeah. We'll go somewhere nearer. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, cool. But yes, so next weekend, um, Saturday, December the 2nd, come along to Dragon Meat, come and say hello to us, come and buy some stuff and have a great day. Look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. Okay. Now, shall we talk about our weekend last weekend? Yeah, let's. So, well, as always, it was a great weekend. Um, we ate too much food. We drank too much beer. Um you drank um, too much beer. I drank less than three and a half pints, I realised. Yeah. Well, that's because you are a, you know, you are sensible. And, yeah. you wait, and, you, and you're not as fat as me anymore. So that's, there that's, is that. No. that's the worst. For next year, I need to bring myself down to less fat than you because I can't be the fattest person out of all four of us. 
That's not good. Well, you can, evidently, you can be the fattest person. <laughs> out of all four no, uh, I, I, I am, but I can't be. You know, there are two different things there. <clears throat> yes. I uh, think that has to be should, should not be, <laughs> rather than cannot be. Because no. you obviously have the ability. Um, <laughs> sadly, sadly so. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, and um, we, well, uh, uh, your brother Tony took us out for a fabulous meal at the at the pub, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. That was very nice. And that was our only leaving of the house. The rest of the house, we were by two great log fires playing games. And it was great fun. It was fabulous. Yeah. And some of those games fun. may be suitable for for podcasting when we get past the backlog of um, yeah of the games that we've already queued up for getting back into the podcast. But we'll yeah. do that. So as usually, the other we were, we've been a bit dead while I've been working. Yeah, yeah, bloody you know, working for a living. What are you doing? Um, yeah. So we recorded um, uh, our our session of Tales of the Old West. As we always do, mm-hmm. and that was it was a good old session. Uh, resolved some things, and then we also recorded our session of Forbidden Lands, which uh, again yeah. we always we always record that, um, and we're going to talk a bit about that in a moment. But we also had a fabulous game of uh, Solomon Kane, Savage Worlds, Solomon Kane, which is something we don't record, which is probably a good thing. Um, yeah, and given the adult content that uh, that comes up in that game. And then we don't record Tony's Legend of the Five Rings for no reason other than we don't record Tony's Legend of the Five Rings. There's nothing there that we would, you know, it wouldn't be wouldn't be safe for publication, should we say? And it's a great campaign. yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, in terms of our behaviours, um, then no. I I find I do find Legend of the Five Rings. I enjoy it immensely, but I do find it a little bit Orientalist in its um, in its depiction of a you know, essentially Japanese culture in a fantasy Far East. Um, so, what, so what do you what do you mean by Orientalist then? Let's dig into that. Well, so it is a game written about a Japanese culture entirely by Americans. Yeah. Um, okay. And so uh, you're saying it, therefore, it, it plays out Western stereotypes of what we think Japan should or was like. Yes. Without reflecting perhaps the reality. Yeah, I, I I think so. Um, and you know, and uh, I enjoy it immensely. But it is cliche and stereotype piled on top of cliche and stereotype. <laughs> and um, and and we wouldn't be playing if if I hadn't listened to it being podcast years ago. Actually, I do I do remember that. Um, in a great podcast from the guys at Happy Jacks, which is one of the best actual plays they've ever done. I would say actually is the best actual play they've ever done. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't regret our decision not to. Um, no, no, ne- neither do I. I think it's quite, it's quite nice having a few sessions where we don't have to put up all the scaffolding to go with the microphones and everything. So, although, you know, they, they were quite, they were less intrusive this time around, I thought, than, than they have been previously. Um, yeah, you did a very good setup this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting better at that. As we well, yeah. bought more better equipment, shall we say? So, mics on little table stands as opposed to arms. Um, yeah, a little self-contained mixing desk that can yes. also record, so we don't have to bring another laptop to record on. Yeah, it yeah. all got very efficient. Um, yeah, it was it was good. It was a good setup. 
Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but um, we had a great weekend. Really, really loved it. It's always a real pleasure to to stay there and and, and do that. But we did something in Forbidden Lands that we hadn't done before, didn't we? Yeah. Do you want to listen to me talk about it now? Let's listen to you talk about it. And then they went to war. As left turns go, it definitely caught me by surprise. We were playing Hexenwall, the adventure in the Spy of Quetzal book, which is really about playing five witches off against one another. The party had met Mother Mab, from whom they had been sent to steal an item which, they were promised, could control the dead. When they found out she led a pack of wolves, points in her favour in Gorma's book, and hated the undead, they walked out of the adventure site with her and went off to fight the Death Knight. Long-time listeners may remember that in the early days of the campaign, they woke the Death Knight up when trying to rob his grave, and then defeated a bunch of Rust Brothers, freeing their restless dead and, inadvertently, providing the Death Knight with an army. I've been having great fun teasing the players with rumours of the Death Knight's army ravaging the land surrounding the spot where they first released him. So I suppose I should not be surprised if they wanted to head off at the head of a small army of wolves to take on the army of the dead. I called the Hexenwald session to a close and promised them a big battle in the next session. But I didn't want that next session to become a war game. I really don't like it when PCs who last week were scrabbling around in the dirt looking for treasure are now commanding armies. If I wanted a war game, I'd be playing Bloomin' Warhammer. Brief pause here to put my old grognard face on and moan about once upon a time Warhammer was a mass combat role-playing game. We had, reasonably successfully, role-played a battle scene at the Eye of the Rose, where an elven army and a vengeful Ent attacked an orcish stronghold. That worked because the scene was mostly about the PCs tackling the Ent while the battle raged around them. Plus, it was only one scene in an adventure, and followed up by a better scene when Dave got cross that the orcish emperor didn't show enough gratitude. Another aside, it's turning out that I enjoy myself immensely when an NPC makes Dave cross. Dave, not his character, I'm pretty sure of that. Anyhow, I must make a note to do it more often. I resolved not to suddenly turn my players into armchair generals, but rather to throw their characters into the thick of the fighting. One image that kept coming back to me was Jon Snow at the Battle of the Bastards in TV's Game of Thrones. I had other influences too, the way that in war stories the action focuses on the characters while the battle is resolved around them, the battle table of Legend of the Five Rings 4th edition, and of course the procedural random table nature of Forbidden Lands itself. I wanted the experience of exploring the battle to feel a bit like exploring a dungeon, and for it to be like the randomly created dungeons that have woven such fun stories in previous sessions. So, 
My adventure prep for our last session was in fact creating a series of random battle generation tables. What I tried to do was build a table for every phase of the battle. Scouting for the enemy, shooting at each other, the charge, getting stuck in and building towards a climactic end scene. So, for example, the scouting table includes entries like, for its worst result, Disaster! Ambushed! Your forces are in disarray. You lose track of your companions and it's as much as you can do to draw your weapon and parry a blow before everyone draws initiative. Your next roll is on the engaged table. And for the best results, you have the higher ground! Your scouting has paid off. You command a rise in the landscape with a shambling army of the dead below. You have the choice, volley at range or charge. This table can be affected by a scouting roll, so successes add plus one to the dice roll, which means that the result may tend towards that you have the higher ground option. I have two thoughts about that, which I will return to. I had decided that all the tables would be specific to the enemy you are fighting, in this case, an army of the dead. That way, if I can get the concept working, I could release a number of battle books for each of the major factions of the Forbidden Lands. So you could be fighting elves, orcs, rust brothers, etc. But that led me at first to a bit of a problem with the army of the dead. Would there be enough variety for all the tables? Or would it become Restless dead, ghouls, skeletons, ghouls again, ad infinitum. Then I remembered the Book of Beasts, which offered many more flavours of dead, allowing me to write entries like It's a trap! Any beasts with a party are nervous as you pick your way over a churned up field. When you are in the middle, an army of bogmen begins to claw its way out of the mud. Or, Ethereal Will-o'-the-Wisps make the undead armies charge. Or, wading through the battle towards you comes a giant spectre, sweeping aside friend and foe alike. Its dead eyes are fixed on you. And of course, an undead dragon sweeps out of the sky. Though I wasn't short of options anymore, I also wanted to add one of my own inventions, the Carrion Swarm. A dark cloud rises from the undead, thick and oily, casting a dark shadow on the ground. It flies slower than arrows. Only when it gets close do you realise it's a Carrion Swarm, the reanimated carcasses of birds and insects. And the shadow below them is a plague of undead rats. But, thankfully for them, our heroes missed out on most of these undead creatures. The new one that they did encounter, the Bogman, was a brilliant foe, even for Tengrail, our elf, who had thought that taking his fearless talent up to the max would protect him from most of the dangers the undead might throw at him. Which brings us on to using the table's at the table, as it were. There are some hard lessons. Luckily, 
the party avoided a TPK, but only because they had become expert at recognising the odds are against them and running away. There were lessons learned. The two, the first two concerned that scouting table. This was in fact the only table where the PCs could use a non-combat skill to affect the result. I wonder if there should be more opportunities like that. But on the other hand, two successes adding a plus two to a d6 roll pushes the result towards six, which is where that high ground result is. And that leads me to my second issue. That result gave them the choice of a ranged attack or a charge. Quite rightly, they knew that piercing attacks can only do one point of damage to the undead. So they went straight into the charge, totally unprepared. The tables don't really give them a chance to prepare. For example, perhaps a good roll on the scouting table could give them the opportunity to build a fire trap. There was a result in which they might find a randomly selected artefact, but perhaps that artefact should not be random, but a definite tool to use against the dead. The biggest challenge, though, is that the only real objective the table set for the players was a rout of the Army of the Dead, an unthinking objective that immediately puts us back into armchair general mode, at the same time as taking the ability to be armchair generals away from them. The solution, as we discussed after the game, is perhaps a range of objectives, maybe randomly chosen, or maybe a choice for the party to choose. Plus, something that simulated an opportunity to prepare some specific countermeasures against the dead. I still hold to the idea, though, that we are not going to be moving armies about on the table. If the PCs get their objective, then their side wins. It's as simple as that. And this time, since they ran away, well, then so did Mother Mab and her wolves. I will think on it some more, see if I can't work some of the learning into an improved battle book against the dead. If I can, I will share it, first with all our patrons, but then on the Free League Workshop. And what of Tengrail, Gorma and Ichabod and their battle against the Death Knight? Well, their failure will obviously work to the Dead Army's advantage and more of the Forbidden Lands will fall under their influence. Mother Mab is still on side, but perhaps they need more allies. I think Tengrail will have to get his old elven colleagues on side. And the Orcish Emperor, Hrocker. So that's a really good uh, article, Matt, and I really enjoyed listening to that. And I really enjoyed playing the game and running through the rules. I think it's it's really got potential. Um, I know we we didn't actually fight in the battle for very long. We very rapidly realised we were way, way in over our heads and running was the only option. Um, but so I think initially I'll say that uh, it, the, the kind of the random encounter for each phase of the battle worked nicely and it, it felt good in the way that we were or weren't allowed as characters to stay together. Andy's character did something different. He went off with the wolves on a charge 
So naturally, he was no longer next to us, even though I told him to stay near me so I could protect him. Yes. Um, I thought that was brilliant in that I had results on the tables that would split the characters up because I thought that is, that's that's very much in the nature of the of battles as you of see battles, them on television. Yeah. Uh, you know, except when you're in, in, in tight rank order in formation, but then that's boring for role players. So I had these, I had all these results you could have got where characters got split up. You didn't actually... Um, you know, roll any of those results, but Andy ran off in a different direction anyway. Yeah. In the, you know, which we, was fine. Yeah. And it made absolute sense because he was on his wolf and he, we were the load of wolves. So that was, that was yeah. all cool. Um, and I thought that worked nicely. I felt that, 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 that made me feel like I was in the middle of a big kind of battle in a melee. And then one of the roles mm. we had gave us a moment of peace so that after my dreadful attempt to use magic went so horribly wrong, I could then try and re- repair some of that and try and get, is involved back to uh, back on his feet, having broken him with the mishap from the magic. We'll talk about magic in a moment, <laughs> actually. Um, the, I guess the one thing that I think I commented on the day as well afterwards that that struck me was on each of the tables there are there are there are quite a lot of very dangerous things. So as a character, you are potentially going into one really difficult, potentially you know like end scenario, big boss battle after another and we didn't even roll some yeah. of the worst things did we we didn't get an undead dragon coming after us and that kind of stuff so no. even the bog even the bog monster that we fought which eventually i managed to kill um that was a real challenge and i was very lucky yeah, actually and- on one of one of his attacks was a was a fear attack and i'd on the, the end of the last scenario i'd taken the third level of um fearless so I'm immune to fear yeah. attacks. If I hadn't been immune to fear attacks, he would probably have put me down with that attack. So, yeah. so I think, and that was and that just was one of brilliant, them. Actually, so, that, so, I just have so to, felt, I have it, to so, mention that. Yeah, go on, go on. Uh, so that fear attack, I, I went, when I was looking at the monsters, I kind of went, mm, fear attack, you know, uh, you'll be immune to that. Tengra. Uh, and so I didn't actually read that fear attack particularly until I actually read it out in the game and what a great fear attack that is because it's not just they attack with nine dice of fear they do this brilliant description which is actually if you like the memories of the bog man being sacrificed uh, yes by being drowned in a bog uh tied up trussed up in a uh, i guess you what would you call that yeah tied up with his arms and legs behind his back anyway and you realize that this is this is that this was a a real person that had been Sacrifice to become a bog man. And I thought it was a lovely bit of narrative in there, just yeah. from an attack. Isn't that brilliant? Yes. Anyway, carry yeah, on. Yeah, very nicely done. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, so I, so I, so it felt as if maybe the maybe there should have been more, um, uh, yeah, less deadly, less boss monsters. Maybe the boss monster mm. should have been something that fewer, was, fewer is what you're looking yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did I say? So there should be more. Yeah. So there should. You said less. Maybe... Less was the word I was taking offence yeah. at. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. There should be fewer. There should be fewer of those kind of boss monsters. So when you get one, okay, you know there's a big there's a big moment coming. Because I think otherwise, if we carried on fighting, we'd probably have been beaten by the next boss monster. Because yeah, you know, Tengra. Because I I can't remember what happened to Andy, but Isambold had been broken three times in the fight and got brought back up for various by various methods. 
I mean, I broke him once using that. He, he got broken Mag- three times in the same round, I think. <laughs> no, no, the no, first two, time. Three times in two rounds. You broke him with your, with your miscast magic spell, and then... Yeah. Um, and then he was revived and immediately broken again and then revived a second time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, it, but in terms of the concept of the battle mechanics and the way it worked, I think there's real, there's real potential in that. And it felt good. I enjoyed the feeling of being in a, in a big battle where things were going on around me that I had no control over and I could only deal with what was in front of me. So I thought that worked really well. I liked that very much. Yeah, I think point about um, Bog Monsters well taken. I was disinclined, as I said in the article, really, to give you skeleton, 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 restless dead skeleton, which is maybe what we could have done with a bit more of, although I have another thing which we could have done a bit more of. Uh, and then maybe there's a a boss monster table as opposed to having a boss monster in each mm, table, yeah. which you managed to pretty much... Well, you didn't manage to roll most of the boss monsters, but you did actually manage to get, you know, uh, quite challenging monsters. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, no, Although, <clears throat> to be honest, that bog monster was a mistake on... what well, was an earlier mistake on my part, and therefore bringing the bog monster in in that I'd actually written Lich, question mark. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which was a note to myself to when I was struggling to think, what what should the monsters what be? Could go so in then next. I, yeah. I just thought, oh, I'll chuck a bog monster in because they look like quite good fun when I read oh, them. It was, it, was um, a fun, it was a fun monster to fight. And it was a great monster. Absolutely great monster, great fight. But but yeah, you, what you want is... There was a danger that the tables could have given you uh, Spectre, Giant, Bog Monster and Undead Dragon and... By the time you'd done all of those, well, you wouldn't have done probably all of those, probably wouldn't have friend. defeated all three of them. Yeah, it's so, got to be so, either but, Spectre Giant or Bogman yeah. or Undead Dragon, I think. But so, so, I, so I think I mean yeah. your your concern that just having lots of role, results of skeletons or shambling whatever they was um, would make the you know the fight boring or or a bit monotonous. Mm. Um, so we didn't play out the fight over a very long period of time because we chose to run away because we were stupid um, and hadn't done any preparation beforehand. Um, so it would have been interesting to see how it felt if the, the battle had lasted, you know, six or seven rounds instead of the three rounds or four rounds that it did last. Mm. Um, but I but I don't think, for me, there, were, there was nowhere in that, you know, in the experience we had where monotony or boredom was anywhere close to... <laughs> To, to my to my no. to the surface of my head my brain so yeah having a round or two more of relatively easy shall we say um you know cannon fodder to kill would have been fine oh that was, certainly wouldn't have would been, have been fine yeah yeah so i think i think probably don't need to worry too much about that point um we did talk about things like uh objectives for the battle and those kind of things which now, I've done quite a lot of thinking since the weekend to try and take what you've done for that and put it into a Rome Year Zero kind of format. Mm. Um, and it quite quickly... Well, becomes... now, although I will say, as I said to you last weekend, I think Rome Year Zero, you very much can be more armchair generals because I, yeah. I feel that... Yeah. Know, so it's trying to... Uh, that so fits, I'm... particularly with you, Guy, you're aiming for a kind of political... 
thing in Rome. So you, most of the characters are going to be relatively high up. Yes, in, yeah. In the sort of command structure. But yeah, I, can, anyway, but sorry, but I kind of yeah, sorry. Um, I kind of want to get this, the the ability to you know, influence the battle, what or you know at least in having done things like deciding what the the objective are and maybe giving your troops an address before the battle starts that kind of thing but it quite quickly mm-hmm. gets bogged down in some of that stuff whereas i really enjoyed the kind of free for all you're in the thick of it you don't really know what's going on fog of war and all that experience that we had with forbidden lands in the in the game last weekend because that felt like you're in a battle rather than you were playing a battle so I think there's a yeah. challenge. There's a challenge to be found there. I'm sure there's a way of doing it where it can work, um, but that chain taking it from that Forbidden Lands fantasy, you're in the thick of it, to a Romeo Zero where you're in the thick of it, but actually also have the opportunity to perhaps command the battle or at least command some of the troops around mm. you in a way, and you set the objectives, and you know your objective may change. You know the objective might be to annihilate the enemy army beginning, but the battle doesn't go very well, and so the objective suddenly becomes an organized retreat or save the army. Yeah. You know, get out of this without losing all your men. And reflecting all that can become a bit cumbersome, I think, in some of my initial thinking, but there's probably a way of doing it. So I think um, but you see, but, yeah, and 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 you've done it once already, actually, in war stories. In yes. that, you know, the the squad have a particular objective and other dice rolls happen around them that, that says how the battle goes as a whole. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting though because again that this sorry just to, on that point the war stories one is more akin to your forbidden lands experience where the you know the most senior officer you're going to have in your group is going to be a lieutenant probably you might have a captain possibly but you're not mm-hmm. the major or the colonel who is giving the strategic orders about how the battle's going to go whereas in Romeo yeah. Zero you might be the noble you know the young noble who is simply due to their position in in Rome is put in command of you know, possibly, yeah, possibly a whole legion. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, but yeah, but I'm thinking that, that, you know, you're, you're on to something there in that. Mm. So if you like, what I've got is I just, I just want that squad level. And in fact, you know, the, the realization your squad can get broken up uh, in, in mm-hmm. fantasy, what you've done in world war two works absolutely fine for that and you know what i particularly enjoy there is that those dice rolls in that game aren't affected by the players i mean the players may get to roll the dice if the gm is feeling generous but um but there's there's not much that you know that your squad can do to improve the overall chances of the battle so the option is there for the yeah, the option is there for the GM to give a bonus if they think the players have done something particularly outstanding. But it's yeah, not it's yeah. not standard. It's it's there, you know, the players have to do something extraordinary to get that. Yeah, so you know, if we if we have taken out the, you know, the significant target that we had then uh and that this I can't remember whether uh, Thomas did this in our role play, but when I accidentally almost blew up the entire church with my um surprisingly powered bazooka <laughs> um, in 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 uh from across the street uh so we did take out the snipers and stuff like that i think he may have given us a bonus but i can't yeah on how the whole battle went because of course that was their main observation post for yeah the battle as yeah. well i think 
Um, so, uh, but but generally, what he'd do is he'd weave in our successes or failures into the general narrative of success or failure that the dice rolled for the battle there. Now, all you need to do is for the generals make those battle dice rolls more player centric than they currently are in war stories, and you've got yeah. your Romeo Zero system some somehow. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, the challenge there, I think, will be in the creation of a Romeo Zero character where you, you don't want to, if you like, end up with a battle tactic skill, which 90% of the visit characters don't have because uh, you know, I'm a mere slave. <laughs> um, so there needs to be a skill within our limited skill set that can be applied to that and doesn't seem out of place at whatever level you're playing at. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, 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 I get that. Yeah, some kind of born leadership kind of skill or something that yeah. anyone yeah. Uh, anyone would have, yeah. Or talent, I guess. Or talent, of, potentially, uh, yeah. Yeah, zero, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, cool. Um, Anyway, we're on to Romeo Zero, and that wasn't my plan at all. I wanted to talk about how brilliant I was. Uh, but no, so it's great. To, I've, yeah. I've, um, objectives. Yeah, I've... Did you actually make your point on objectives, though? Having had this conversation and gone off in all so, the places. So I think. So I think the two things that we we didn't do that that might be an improvement to the system would be one, mm -hmm. you know, an objective and a way of kind of working towards that objective. Now, the objective in this case for us was to kill the death knight. Um yeah. we didn't we didn't even get close to him. Um no. and actually as you were saying maybe the death knight is less of a leader in this army and is more of just a a kind of an, an epicenter that other undead are gathering around. So mm. actually killing him might not be as good or as valuable or as you know conclusive no, in yeah. destroying the army as we thought it might be. But having the object so but in other cases the objective might be to kill the enemy enemy leader and then you know destroy the army's morale the enemy's morale if you do that and having a way of tracking that would be really really would be would be a, a good addition i think to the to the to the rules um the other thing was the idea of kind of preparation which we did none of and sort of like tactical um innovation for example so i, re I remember mm. the uh, some of the you know, the great battles we had in pendragon where we were coming up against a perhaps a more dangerous force and in one occasion we we got together a herd of um cattle and basically stampeded them through the enemy lines before we attacked and other sort of like you know interesting ideas that the players might come up with to give themselves an advantage in the battle so i think some yeah, mechanic so here to I... allow to allow the players to do that would be really would be really good so here i have a problem let me tell you what my problem is so I was thinking, oh, yeah, well, this is simple. You know, we talked about fire, for example, and I thought, well, you know, we could have a role that says you've got the opportunity to make a fire pit to, to lure yeah. the um, the opposing army into. Or, yeah, that thing with the with the cattle. But that brilliance with the cattle, and I remember there was another time when we, when we uh, happened to be defending a charcoal burner's camp. And so we effectively um, dusted ourselves down with charcoal so that we could do a sort of night attack at one point and mm. get an advantage that way that people yeah. couldn't see our sh shields and stuff, which is all good fun. But that was about players having a brilliant idea and putting something in. And I just worry that the way I'm going at the moment with tables is the table has the good idea and the players just acted out. So how can yeah. I get that sort of 
input from the players, imaginations, having an impact on the role on the table. I can't say it can't be done. I just need to think about how that might happen. Um, yeah. And, so I wonder, I wonder if the table, in addition to the information that it gets already, has a little bit of, you know, a line or two just that's, you know, like about the environment or something that allows... Yeah allows the players to, to to hook on an idea and, and say, oh, it's, it's okay, it's a boggy ground. And the players say, okay, we want yeah. to drive the enemy troops into the boggy ground, and then maybe they get an Not advantage. an army of the dead, because that boggy ground would be full of bog men. You yeah, I know. Because but... there was a bit of boggy ground you could have spotted. And yeah. had you gone there, out, sorry. Out would come um, bog But yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, I mean, just as, um, an, as an example, something like that, or... Um, some some yeah. prompt that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it might become a bit kind of formulaic because obviously if you're using the same table and you've got the same prompts, they might come up more than once. Oh, that's the other thing I was wondering is um, whether I should expand to a D12 table. Um, uh, or not D12, you know, 2D6 table, just with a few mm. more options. Just to make sure it didn't become too formulaic. But I don't know. I'm going to stick with the D6, I think, for a moment. And then see if so stuff like that you could do a layer the land type thing rather than the simple yes. scouting roll, which again could be influenced by your scouting rolls. But then you may roll on it two or three times to get um, an idea of um, what things you could take advantage of. So let's say you made a scouting roll, the number of successes on the scouting roll gave you a number of roles on the lay of the land, and they were mm. all, in that particular table, they're all generally positive. Or maybe they're things you could take go there. Yeah, or things you could take that advantage of. you could take of, advantage of. Yeah, yeah, tactically. Yeah. 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 But again, it's up, you, you give them the basic idea, but it's up to the player to then, to then use their imagination to come up with the, you know, the, yeah. the innovative way of using that landscape to their advantage. Damn, I'm going to have to give you an additional writing credit for this now, because I think that is a brilliant <laughs> idea. I guess so. Uh, yeah, but I'd just like to wrap up and say that, that I really enjoyed the battle. I thought the rules have got great potential. I, I, it did make me feel like I was in a fight and in the mix of it. And it was it was a great, cool. great fun, great fun experience. Really enjoyed it. Well, that was the intention. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. brilliant. Cool. It works. <laughs> um, uh, so okay, next so time. next episode, uh, obviously next week, we're going to Dragon Meat. Um, and next Monday, I'm celebrating my wife's birthday um but sometime in the next couple of weeks we will try and fix an interview we we didn't get to record the interview we're going to talk uh, about with marks who's that um uh kickstarter person wants to talk about his failed kickstarter and lessons learned which i think we still want to talk about i think we'll try and get him but we may have somebody else or something else given (laughs) the next couple of weeks yeah let's Um, see what we, we come up with yeah cool brilliant in the meantime it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him and may the icons bless your adventures you have been listening to the effect podcast presented by fiction suit and the rpg gods music stars on a black sea used with permission of free league publishing